Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Antonair. And in today's episode, Ben and I are joined by a local hunter and real estate agent, Emily Shad Conkler. We discuss how she got started in hunting, becoming a real estate agent for Realtree Land Pros, building the perfect food plot, how a friend convinced her to go in and kill the biggest buck she's ever taken, and finally, what all we can do to grow the female presence in this sport that we love so much. Please welcome Emily Shad Conkler. All right, everyone, we are live with Emily Shad Conkler. How are we doing today? Thanks for taking the time. Hey, we're doing great. How about you? <laughs> we're good. We're good. Doing we great. made it work. We got all the technical bugs worked out. You, you got your, yeah, you got your yeah. iPad. You were here. We are good to go. So again, thanks for <laughs> taking the time. I know you had just gotten off work. And so uh, this is a late podcast for all of us. But uh, again, thank you. Um, before we get too far, Emily, let's go ahead and introduce yourself um, and just kind of talk about your early start into hunting and fishing and kind of what got you into this. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Emily Shad Conkler, and I am from Southeast Ohio down here. Um, I have been into hunting ever since I was little. Uh, my my dad was actually a big game guide out west in Idaho for, gosh, I don't know how many years, 30 30 some 40 years maybe I don't know he he worked for several different outfitters and stuff so you know he was always always gone several several months out of the year so you know hunting was just kind of became natural to me because he just he hunted so much it was just all year round he seemed to be doing something with it whether it was here for white-tailed turkey or out there you know for bear and elk and everything in between so yeah I pretty much had to I had to get into hunting there was no choice <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome now do you have any brothers or sisters or anything like that that were brought into it or were you just the only one nope just me I'm, I'm the only only child <laughs> There you go. I have, yep. a, I have a young daughter myself. And so as a guy that's, uh, you know, into hunting, I, I just can't wait. She's six. We're, we're finally getting ready to get started. I can be that dad, if you will. So I'm really excited for that. So that's cool to hear that story. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> so you growing up, it's always been something that your family has done. And I know that um, through, through some of your bio stuff and hearing you on other podcasts is that you actually went to college for that as well, too. Can you kind of talk about that and yeah. what your decision is? Yep. So, you know, since I grew up you know, with hunting and everything so much, I volunteered a ton with the ODNR. It was just something that I always wanted to do was just make, you know, make a career out of it because I, I just loved it that much. Oh, Wildlife, sure. conservation, forestry, and, you know, everything in between. So, yeah, I pursued a degree um, in wildlife sciences at Hawking College. So, um, I got my degree there and graduated in 2012 and got a seasonal position with the ODNR um, as a natural resource specialist. So I, I did that and everything. It's just kind of in this area, it's, it's a little bit harder to find, you know, a full-time job in wildlife. It seems like most of them are, you know, up north and stuff. So, but yeah, I absolutely love working for the ODNR and it was definitely was not, you know, a waste at all going to college for wildlife. I learned a ton and I still put a lot of it to use nowadays. So yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. And some of my, some of my good friends of all are like forestry management or like wildlife, not necessarily wildlife, man, but just even like on the forestry side, I think that that lends itself very well into what we do and what we, we care for. Cause you know that you're hanging oh, in this yeah. elm tree or, you know, that's a white oak or a red oak or, you know, uh, shag bark or, you know, it, all that stuff I think really makes a difference, especially when it comes to trying to scout and, and use that to your advantage. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, knowing knowing your tree species is kind of like it's it's a must because it really helps you out when it comes to chasing whitetails for sure. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, I know we kind of wanted to get into it. I've heard it on other podcasts as well, um, but we can't talk to you without talking to you about Freak. I'm sure you talk about him all the time. So <laughs> he's um, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. He's he's a lot of people's favorite. Um, I think I heard you. Uh, obviously, you and Clint have a good relationship, and I've heard you on Working Class Bowman, you know, a lot and. Um, yeah, so I've heard this story, but for those people that may not be interested or may not have known, let's go ahead and give the kind of the, the rundown story and, and the, the fight that you had with him. Yeah. So I'll just make it short, um, because it's, it's a long story. It's spanned <laughs> over several years, but yeah, so I had several years of history, uh, with, with freak. He was a buck that I ever thought that was honestly going to turn into anything because, I didn't realize it until after I killed them. I had history of him when he was actually normal and not a freak. Um, But I just thought, you know, he was just a junk old buck. He was never going to turn into anything. Um, He was horrible looking the one year. Uh, The next year, I ended up photographing him in an alfalfa field, and I was just mind blown with what he had turned into. And I knew it was the same deer because he carried that same, you know, deformed freak side or that freak antler. And... I just, I didn't really have a good way to chase him that year. So it was kind of just like, you know, fingers crossed and pray that he would make it to the next year where I could, you know, hopefully get permission to be able to hunt kind of the other side of the farm there and get access to hunting. And I was able to, and it was just, I didn't care about any other deer besides that buck. And I did everything in my power to figure out what he was doing. I was running, oh my gosh, I don't know how many trail cameras on that end of the farm because I knew that was his hangout spot. And um, beginning of October during the red moon is actually when I finally got photos of him for the first time. And I was just absolutely mind blown when I checked the trail camera and saw him on there. And I mean, he just, he looked like an elk. Like he did not even look like a whitetail. And it was just, you know, I couldn't hunt until that following Saturday and that was Wednesday when I got a picture of him and it I couldn't focus at work and so I was <laughs> trying to I ended up being able to hunt that that Saturday and that's when the whole issue you know I called Clint told him about this deer I was like you know there's no way I'm going to be able to do a hang hunt because I just got off work that Saturday didn't have hardly any time and he pretty much kicked me in the butt and told me I didn't have a choice but to go do and hang a hunt whether I liked it yeah. or not so I'm like okay I'm gonna make this work one way or the other didn't eat lunch like nothing um I ended up doing a hanging hunt it was actually my first time ever doing a hanging hunt and the only tree I had to work with was this ginormous salt timber size um shag bark hickory tree if you can only imagine what a disaster that was trying to hang a stand in a shag bark hickory tree so you know i made it finally up in the tree i didn't think i was going to i about gave up and threw everything across the woods multiple times but i finally did it (laughs) never once thought i was going to see a deer like nothing it just i was exhausted you know sweating it was just it was just awful everything was awful i never once thought that it was going to work out and I mean, it was six o'clock, I think it was about six o'clock, way before dark, and I just see this giant rack coming through the woods, and you know, an antler sticking out on one side of a tree, an antler sticking out on the other, and I knew it was him, and I just could not believe that he was actually coming, and coming right to my stand setup, where I had gotten pictures of him, 
um, during the red moon, those previous days earlier, and right where I found his shed the year before as well. And he came right in, broadside at 18 yards, and it was like it was meant to be. He turned his head, looked the other direction, and I just let the arrow fly, and the rest was history. That's so, awesome. What a story. Yeah, yep. It was it was pretty crazy. <laughs> we actually we actually just talked to one of our pro staff members yesterday, Craig Holy Cross, and he um, he shared a story where it seems like just about every hunt, it's funny that you say this, because just about every hunt that he's ever had, it's always been something is going wrong. Like every like yep. great, great hunt and memorable hunt, um, you know, something is going wrong. Either I'm either hanging in a stand that hasn't been prepped in 20 years or, you know, I forget my sticks in the truck or I do this or I do that. And it's just so funny because, it, I, I mean, it's textbook, you know, every story, there's always a really cool something, you know, issue, if you will, that happens that that lends itself into, you know, you. Would it be the same if you had all those issues? Probably not. I mean, it'd still be a cool story because you got them down, but now you have all this extra, you know, that they kind of yeah. tie into it. Now, I will tell you, ben, Ben's going to smile because he knows where I'm going at. Your life would be a heck of a lot easier if you just got into a tethered saddle. Just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. We can help you out with that. So just let us know and you, you can hang and hunt. You'll be up in that tree in five minutes. Not even dropping a sweat. I, I do I do saddle hunt. I actually gave out a whirl um, last <laughs> fall, and I saddle hunted a lot, actually. <laughs> oh, that, there you go. That makes me happy. That shag bark's still an issue with a saddle, it no is. matter what. That's, I there's... will never hang another stand or ever climb no. a shag bark ever again after no, that. I'm, I'm done. That was that was the icing on the cake. That's it. <laughs> you know what? I think that video, because we, we have an event coming up here at the uh, end of August with them. All, all the guys are coming up from Tennessee. I think that video, that tree that I was hanging in was a, when we did our promo was. It might've been a juvenile or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, they're noisy and mm -hmm. they're noisy. We definitely came across several of those when Ben and I uh, were hunting together this year and it's just, they're no fun for sure. So no, I knew that kind of, that's where that story was going to lead. So I set you up for me to, <laughs> to joke about the saddle, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that you had gotten a picture of him in the field, right? Um, in terms of yeah. um, seeing how his antler growth and everything. I want to kind of segue that into your photography because I know that you have some, you know, stellar content on Instagram. And so definitely props for appreciate that because we, uh, we were definitely appreciate it. So if you can kind of run us through what you uh, kind of, you know, your philosophy is there and kind of how you're creating the content and then we'll kind of tie into uh, doing that for the brands and stuff too. Or you can kind of play that in because I know that my next question I kind of had for you was kind of tying that into some of the brands that you rep. So if you kind of want to give us a rundown on that. Yeah. So, uh, the photography ordeal, it's kind of a funny story because I've, my dad was actually a photographer and my uncle and everything. So I kind of just got it naturally to just, you know, I'm always into to taking photos and, you know, things like that. And, you know, once I started hunting a lot, the struggle was, I never had anybody that took good photos of me with a deer or to take photos of me in general. So it was kind of always a struggle ever since I was young. So actually, I think I can't even remember what year it was. I think it was maybe winter of 2018 is when I decided, you know what, there are some people that's gave, given me, you know, some influence and I really just wanted to, to start, you know, working with the camera and seeing what I could do. So like winter 2018, I just went out and I bought everything, everything that I 
you know, needed my, my Canon, my lenses, like everything. And I just started. <laughs> Canon. Yeah. <laughs> we're no Sony. Canon over here. here. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're team. We're team Canon for sure. We, yeah. uh, we gave some of the guys from prime some crap because they're team Sony. So we're, we're team. Canon. Oh, <laughs> yep. Yep. I love my Canon, but yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get, get the camera and I'm going to start out with the good stuff. You know, I'm not going to get a cheap camera and move up. I'm just going to start with what I need and you know go forward with that so you know I, i've literally taught myself everything that i know and i got it set up to where i have a tripod and i have a remote shutter release in order to do all of my own content shots and, and photography because that was a struggle i didn't i didn't have anybody to take pictures of me so i, I have to do everything on my own which the struggle is still real sometimes, especially with getting, you know, that right lighting and this and that and the other. But it's, you know, come forward to where, you know, I started doing the photography and I started making posts and, you know, you know, producing some content just for my, you know, Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff like that. And people and companies, I guess, it just kind of started seeing my work i mean it's not like it's that great by any means you know compared to some you know professional hunting photographers and oh stuff i don't out know there. i don't do yourself that much injustice some <laughs> of those the drone shots that you have of the property are pretty dope so yeah. let's let's not cut yourself short <laughs> <laughs> but um i just i feel like people just started really kind of getting into my my photography and work that i have done and following along and they you know just started reaching out to me um, you know, about my photos and maybe doing some photos and stuff for them and, you know, content and stuff. So that's just kind of how it got all started. Really, the photography got me started with everything, really, in, in the hunting industry, it seems like. Yeah, it's interesting how so you, you want to do that for yourself, right? Just because, I mean, we yeah. struggle because if my man here to my right's not with me, I mean, I, I got to set up the app on my phone and, and put the tripod and do the video work. And of course, you know, it's just a big pain in the butt. And so... That was a question I had for you because you said you said the remote, but yeah. do you do you use the Canon app? And I don't know what camera you have, but uh, no, it's, yeah, you, you, if you can, let's run through some of your gear. So if someone was looking at and jumping in, yeah. So I have a Canon 6D, which I don't even yeah, think yep. they make yep. um, really the 6D anymore. I think they have like the marked it too. I don't know. It's yeah. been a while since I looked online for the Canon, but I have a Canon 6D. Okay. And I have a, my main lens I use is a 24 by 70, 2.8. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's my main lens, lens that I run for everything. And I have a remote shutter release. So um, part of it attaches like on the hot shoe on the top of the camera and plugs in. And then the little remote, I actually hold myself and I'm able, you know, to focus and stuff like that, you know, with my hand instead of, you know, putting things on a timer and running yep. back and forth. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's a pain. Just, work it doesn't thing. work at all <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah that's that's what i use to do everything i mean if i didn't have the remote shutter release i wouldn't be able to do half the shots that i do oh for yeah. sure for sure yeah and i don't believe that 60 that was pre that, i think it was too that was pre-app yeah. so yeah still it's nice to have that remote trigger oh, yeah. because that setting the timer and running and it's making sure you're yeah it's it's a pain no it's bueno a, well and, and i mean you can't put yourself in focus either because you're having to be behind the camera when exactly. you put the timer on so then in the end you're not in focus i don't even see how it works half the exactly. time no exactly Don't that way. exactly yeah that was that that was a question i had too because i mean you can kind of tell just because i you know I, I i do this and i'm in this industry and I, you know I, I take the pictures and stuff i'm like oh i wonder if she's having someone do it or if it's someone so yeah don't sell yourself short on that feed though 
if you have a chance, go check out her Instagram. We'll definitely link it and give you a chance to to pitch it here. But it there's some high quality shots in there. And if you're doing it all by yourself, you are doing a far better job than Ben and I. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> so that kind of so the photography kind of got you into uh, working with like. I, and again, I'm gonna use air quotes, but working in the industry, right? And so, yeah. um, can you yeah. kind of dive into uh, some of the writing that you do for uh, Bohani Magazine, and then maybe even some of the connections on some of the brands that you have across the industry to give people an idea of kind of who you're repping right now? Yeah. So, kind of how I got started writing with Peterson bow hunting is through Clint. Obviously, Clint Casper is like yep. my yep. absolute best, best one of my best friends. So, you know, and he writes for Peterson. So, he kind of helped me get on with that. And okay. I have a really good relationship with Christian and stuff, the editor there. So, yeah. So, actually, I have a, a couple articles that's going to be coming out this fall and winter. And then I'm working on a couple web articles as well. So, you'll have to be on the lookout for those and things sure. like that. But, yeah, so that's kind of how that got started. And, you know, I kind of is one of those things where a lot of companies will contact me wanting, you know, me to do content or work together. But it's kind of one of them things where when you start in the hunting industry, you kind of get super excited about like every company and this and that and the other. But then the longer you're in it, you just kind of want to just do your own thing. Yeah and kind of take your own path and really like sit down and pick and choose like okay what company really kind of like represents me and the quality and you know the people that's behind it yep. and i'm kind of really really looking for those companies that you know they keep things here in the usa that really means you know a lot oh, sure. to me to work with those work with those brands and stuff like that so kind of right now i i do a lot for onyx um onyx and i've had a super good relationship over the years so i do a lot of photography work and stuff for them um dialed archery taylor's kind of brought me brought me on board with that so you know we're starting to work and do some stuff for dialed and Great um, guys. no Great no guys. vix no vix tree stands absolutely yep. love those guys in that company you know made right here in the usa yep, so i exactly. really really love them so yeah doing stuff with them i've done you know some work for dsg and stuff like that they're they're great as well so and um real world wildlife seed with those guys over there don don higgins i mean he's just an incredible incredible whitetail manager and stuff you know he's just he's one of the best so you know it's honor to be able to work with those guys and and everything so yeah those are those are some of the some of the main ones that you know i'm doing doing work and stuff for him and no. working with. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the dialed guys are, are good. Like I mentioned to you, I don't know if we were recording yet yeah. or not, but we, you know, we had record, uh, recorded with Jordan Riley. Um, this is probably at this point, three episodes ago while we're, while we're recording this, by the time people hear this, it'll be further back. I think it's episode 21. I'm, I'm going off the top of my memory, but, uh, we've talked about dialed and we talked about the process and how him and, and Taylor and Scott all kind of got together. Um, actually, stopped at their booth at TAC. I don't know if you've ever been to TAC, but at NPA, so Total Archery Challenge in PA. I didn't get a chance to talk to Scott, but we kind of got to see the product and hold it and feel it. And those guys, I mean, I know it's taken them a lot of effort and people are really patiently waiting for their sites to come in. I think as we're talking, sites are starting to go out, but those guys are doing a lot of work and the quality, you know, the, the attention to detail that they're doing with those has definitely been really, really something to see for sure. And so I'm sure it's going to be worth the wait for everybody because they, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like you said, the quality. Yeah, definitely. I asked them how yeah. I asked them how soon it would be before we could get them in the retail stores. <laughs> that way we can get <laughs> we can get our hands on them here. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, those guys, they're working so hard. I know they're they're frustrated and stuff just because, you know, with, thing, with how things are, you know, things are just taking so oh, long yeah, and yeah. delayed. And, you know, they're, they're just absolutely doing their best, you know, to keep everybody on board and everybody happy until they're able to get their sights and stuff. So exactly. they, they really are putting a lot of a lot of time and effort into it that's for sure they really are and i'm glad that they're being transparent with it too you know because i'm sure that they understand the enthusiasts are kind of hey like you know i want to i want to get i want to get my product you know season's coming down the pipe here soon and i want to get practicing and shooting with it so yeah i'm sure that they're feeling the crunch too so but no oh yeah and i'm glad you said it too because you know we've talked to guys at prime we've talked to jordan and we've talked to uh, jordan riley and, and other people throughout the industry you know the guys at tethered are really we have a really good friendship with them and everyone kind of echoes that same thing that you're saying too as far as they want to work with a company that um you know has a great product you know but but most importantly has great people and i think that and that that's a common theme that i hear just about across the industry with anyone that's quote unquote an influence or anyone that's creating content or media is that they want to work with people that have or want to work with companies that have great people and so you echoing that only further you know further solidifies that for me too so yeah, yeah, it's great to be with companies that, you know, see you as like, you know, part of the family, you know, you can text them when you want, and, you know, it's kind of a, in close quarters instead of a company where you just feel like you're just a number, you know, and I've, I've been with companies like that, and I don't like that, and I, I don't do that anymore, like, I really sit down and pick and pick and choose, you know, who was, who was really, you know, a good company and has a, a group of people you know, to, to work with. So, yep. Yeah. And even DSG, I mean, we, we carry uh, DSG products and then we talked earlier a little bit too, but you know, Rochelle and the gang at DSG, I mean, they're great people to work with. You can, we can text them right away and, and yep. you know, talk or whatever. We actually have her coming on the podcast, I believe next week. So being okay, able, yeah, cool. just being yeah. able to talk to people and being able to, and the other thing that we found is really interesting too, for me, from the, like just coming in the industry a little over a year is just how small and how tight knit it actually truly is. And how like, yep. you know, Emily knows Clint and Clint knows this guy and this guy knows this guy. <laughs> and next thing you know, you know, you're, you're talking to all the, I mean, that's how we've been able to talk to all these people since we started our podcast this year. And so it's been yeah. really cool to see how tight knit and how everyone kind of knows everybody and going to shows like ATA or going to the open season expo here for us. You know, I didn't get a chance to talk to Clint when, when we were at the, the uh, open season expo here, I know that they had a booth, but you know, just being able to talk to the Novix guys, you know, I talked to the Novix guys at the expo. It's just so, it's just a tight, tight knit, smaller industry yep. than what people think it is. So. Yep. It definitely is. So kind of shifting gears here, you have some other career paths as well. So I wanted to give you the opportunity. I, I think it was really interesting. It was definitely really helpful when we were doing our research about, uh, your, with your bio page, but let's talk about the land pro through Realtree and kind of being a real estate agent, if you will, for people that are looking to maybe buy some hunting property. Yeah, so um, I actually just became a real estate agent earlier this year, which is, it's kind of funny because it's kind of like it was meant to be because actually when I bought my farm last fall is kind of how I met the people, you know, that believed in me to get my real estate license and now who I work with um, yeah. actually with, with Realtree yeah, Properties. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool how all that ended up and how, how close we all are now just, just from buying a piece of property. So it was, it yeah. was definitely meant to be, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's an awesome, something that I really enjoy because, you know, I've, I'm a social person. I love dealing with people. I've worked with the public my whole entire life with, you know, all my jobs and stuff. So I have no problem, you know, doing that. And it's, it's nice to 
you know, make people feel good about either the land they're trying to sell or people who's trying to buy a property and tell them, you know, things they can do with it and, you know, give advice and, you know, be able to put a smile on, on, on people's face, you know, either when they buy or they sell or anything like that. So it's just been, it's been a good time. Obviously, you know, things kind of start out slow and stuff. I'm hoping, hoping next year, you know, we can really, really crank down and um, really put it to more of like a full time because right now I have several jobs. So I'm hoping next year, you know, I can really be full time with the, the real estate and, you know, we can get rolling with that. But yeah, we're actually talking. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, Reese Johnson. Are you familiar with Reese Johnson on Instagram? He does a lot of trail camera Tuesday stuff, um, but he's a real no, estate. I don't think so. He's been on like uh, Exodus Trail Camera Radio as well as some other podcasts, but he's more known just for like trail camera photos and hunting and and uh, whitetail specifically. But he's a real estate agent in Southern Kentucky, and so it's funny because okay. like here here's a real estate agent today that's selling property and is just getting her feet wet and kind of getting the ball rolling. Yeah. And then here's more of a veteran guy. He's always out there, and um, but I feel like that's a perfect fit for you too, just given the fact that a you you're a hunter and you know what you're looking for, and you know what people are, yep. you know what more importantly, you know what customers or clients are looking for right in terms of you know, selling yep. the property and the other thing i thought too is so i was kind of poking around and seeing what deals i could find you know everyone wants to buy their own property right and so i was poking around you could tell i was like oh that's an emily property because her photos are crispy <laughs> so, <laughs> it was funny it was just like here's some cell phone pictures of some properties and you know different areas and i was like oh here's emily's and you can just definitely tell that she was using her her, her big girl i liked how you threw the hat at the base of the tree so you could see how big the tree was yeah that was that was yep. good that was definitely yeah that's that's honestly about about the best way to do it because really in any other other way you can't really yeah. tell how big a tree is unless you put something up against this yeah the old hat trick <laughs> <laughs> especially with cameras you know the thing with distortion and whatever things can look a lot bigger or whatever than, than what they yeah. are so exactly yep so i think this is kind of cool we had talked about it before but if i'm if i'm let's say i'm uh i'm looking i mean if if i won the lottery i'd be looking right now but i'm still a lease guy but if i get into the part where i'm i'm i'm, I'm finally at that point where i feel like i need my own property and feel like I need my own 30, 40, 50 acres. Uh, I kind of have an idea as a hunter and as someone in the, you know, that's, that's active in it, but what kind of things are, would I be looking for? Or what kind of things as an agent would you be trying to pitch to sell for people when they're looking at getting that property? I'm kind of going at this as like a, an entry level thing or someone that maybe is on the fence. Like what kind of things should someone be looking for when they're looking to, to make a purchase, if you will? So, um, like I said, it just depends on what you're wanting the property for, whether you're, you know, big into, you know, squirrel hunting or whether you want it for just whitetail hunting or turkey hunting or, if, you know, you're really into management or you just, you know, want a property. But say, you know, you're a big time bow hunter or something, you know, like like you and I and stuff are and, you know, we're, we're really looking for something. I mean, you don't have to have you know, 100, 300, 1,000 acres, you know, in order to kill a big deer. I mean, you can kill a big deer on five acres, but, um, you know, you want something to where you can do some management work to, um, to try to keep some deer and hold some deer around there. But I know what I was looking for when I was looking for a property is I wanted a property with number one that had tillable ground on it. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Um, especially in this state or in states that don't, you know, allow baiting and, and things like that. And, you know, this state may come to it to where you're not allowed to bait with how the chronic wasting disease is going. So I was thinking to the future, you know, I want a property that has 
a lot of tillable ground on it because if I, if that's my only way, you know, to draw deer in with food, I want to be able to plant corn and turnips and, or soybeans or alfalfa. So tillable ground was an absolute must for me. I was not going to buy a farm unless it had tillable ground on it. Um, having a water source is huge too because, you know, whitetails have to, you know, drink constantly in order to survive. So, you know, having a creek system or a pond, or even if it doesn't, you can put in a pond. You kind of have to visualize things that you can do to improve it. So, you know, having a water source. Um, another another big thing that I look for is, you know, having mass-producing oak trees. So, oak oaks are my absolute favorite thing. They're the king. Um, white oaks. And, yep white oaks and red oaks because they are so beneficial to multiple types of wildlife yes. turkey squirrel yes. deer i mean all the above so being able to to have a property that has mass producing oaks and or being able to plant oaks which i planted a ton of oaks new oaks on my farm to help you know replenish oh, sure. ones that were logged out previously so having having those oaks and stuff is is really huge and, you know, doing your research, which is, it's kind of hard when you're buying a new property, especially if you're not familiar with the area on neighbors and stuff, but kind of doing your own research on kind of neighbors or hunting pressure or asking questions and stuff like that, trying to get a feel of what the area is like, you know, what type of deer are taken out of the area and then different things like that really helps too. Because, I mean, it would, it would really be awful if, you know, you're big into deer management and you you buy this property and you know, you're none of your neighbors do deer management and it's just a waste of your time to even try. I mean, it, it happens a lot, but yeah, that would be a big bummer. So just trying to do some research and asking questions and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. And I think, um, what, was it like Doug Duran or something? They have like a, a neighbor, like a, I want to say community, but they're in the country, but they have like kind of like a, a landowner's agreement, if you will. They kind of kind of help with the management across the entire board. He's got a giant plot, but yeah. also it's that as well. I think his community, they've uh, agreed, you know, not to Shoot. kill one. Yeah, yeah, like fifteen Under, or spread or yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, that that would be really nice for sure. That'd be beneficial. But I'm glad you said the, the tillable land piece too, because I think. You know, unfortunately, some of the prime hunting and some of the best hunting that we that we have, as you know, is down in southeast Ohio. And, you know, there that's few and far between that you can find a place down there that potentially has some tillable land. And so, you know, the other yeah. thing I think uh, is, uh, you know, we, we had talked to Mark Wiley, who's the state, one of the state biologists for the wild turkey population and or, or I should say ground birds. And, um, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you said that, too, because a lot of what you would find in a turkey a lot of the stuff that's good for turkeys is good for deer is good for squirrels it's good for just about anything yeah, and so exactly um, you know a lot of under you know as a hunter i really like old growth forests because i have lots of shooting lanes you know i don't have to worry about so much <laughs> understory but unfortunately the yeah. understory is what you need and so you know opening up those understory areas or and you know i think the other thing is too is you know like access you know, I think, um, you know, trying to find a spot, you know, if, if you have a property that's, you know, let's say 40 acres, but it's a shape of an L, well, getting to that top of the L, if you're parking down at the bottom can be kind of tricky. So you got to kind of yeah. look at all that and how you're going to access the property and how you're going to, you know, especially, you know, setting up stands and things and playing the wind. And so there's a lot to look into. And I'm sure that process kind of goes in to when you're trying to sell or, you're, you know, you're working as the selling agent yeah. or the buying agent. You know, I'm sure that a lot of that conversation kind of goes into play. 
Yeah, yeah. Access, I mean, access is a huge thing for everybody because, I mean, like you said, if you're buying it for hunting or even if you're not buying it for hunting, I mean, if you have to walk clear across the whole entire property to reach the other side or you're having to go through the bedding area to even reach where you need to go to hunt, I mean, it's going to make it really tough. So, yeah, trying to get a property that's got road access or even if it doesn't, I mean, just having a, a way to get in and out, you know, to access everything without, you know, completely blowing everything out or yeah, that's a that's definitely a big factor. So we get when this airs, we'll probably be um, I'd say probably around the middle of August. So by the time this is airing, so the food plot stuff is really picking up. A lot of people are getting their food plots in. I know you had mentioned tillable acreage. Um, you know, right, August is a really good month right now. You know, e even right now into August to kind of get those late season food plots started or some of those food plots started. Kind of what, uh, let's run through, so what what are you got going on right now? What's it look like for you with your, your food plot? So I have um, an acre of clover that I actually planted um, in the spring that I've got going right now. Um, so I have that on one farm. Um, on the new farm, I actually have, I kind of split all of my tibble, tillable acreage up a little bit here for the um, this year. I'll, I'm obviously going to do more next year. It was just kind of a time crunch this year, but... I planted an acre of corn in the middle kind of of the tillable acreage that I have. And then on the lower end below the corn here come August, I'm actually going to plant an acre of turnips. That way the the corn is growed up and it's kind of going to, you know, produce, have like kind of a little block or shelter yeah, around that turnip screen, field. Yep. Screen, yep. Yeah, yep. yep. So those, those bucks feel more comfortable coming out and eating in the turnips. And then once late season comes, then they'll be utilizing that corn um, a lot more. So that's kind of how I, how I put that there. That way they've got some cover and they feel a little more safe coming out into the turnips. Yeah, that's a good so idea. So those are kind yeah. of the, yeah, so those are kind of the three things I have going on right now. Next year, I'm kind of in a debating game whether I want to go for, you know, since I've created even more tillable acreage on that farm, if I want to go for soybeans or get some alfalfa in the ground. I mean, I absolutely love alfalfa. I don't know. Oh, it just yeah. depends on, I got to do a lot of deciding on what we're going to do next year. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, the the screen cover is, is is huge. That's something I think I took away. Um, Mark Kenyon did yep. that back forty podcast a, a long time ago. Or not podcast, um, video. It was that probably like three years ago at this mm. point. And that how they were transforming that property that hadn't been really touched, or if it was touched, it was a long time ago. And they're like, let's put some screen cover here so the deer deer feel more secure as they're they're coming out and they're not getting spooked. Or I can kind of hug it and walk by and not bump them. So there's definitely a huge advantage to having that in your plot or splitting up. If you have the land, I mean, if you have, and like you said, you got an acre, so an acre is quite a bit, it's a quite, it's a good decent size in our food plot. So, you know, being able to cut that in half, it kind of gives you two different options, if you will, to kind of hunt. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you, when you put in a plot, do you always till, or do you ever just do like a kill and um, like a Jeff Sturgis type of thing, like where you just kill it off, let it bake off and then throw your seed out or do you always till when you put something in so more than like usually i kill it off and then i actually till so i usually do both things especially if it's you know if the property that's never or land that's never been tilled before in order to get that seed down in but yeah i definitely like to kill it first and then till and then put it in the seed that way it gives it you know, that seed a lot more opportunity to grow before any weeds or anything like that will come back up. That was one of the mistakes with my clover field this year because I was in such a time crunch. That's when the real estate was really gone. 
and I didn't have time to kill it off, and I'm kicking myself in the butt for that because it's just like Weed City out there right now, <laughs> and it's just like, well, I might just gonna have to replant it again next year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no doubt, no doubt. You know, yep. another, th- another thing I think I'd like to try too is that crimp. Um, I learned that from uh, Grant Woods, like uh, Growing Deer TV, uh, Doctor Grant Woods or whatever. They did they do the crimp, and basically it breaks the stem and kills it without using the herbicide and so then, yeah. then you're, and then you're just you know you're broadcast seeding over top of it or i think they actually use a no-till drill i think they use a no-till drill um over top of that and so it kind of gives it helps it hold that hold that moisture in yeah and so seeds yep. germinate a little bit easier but they're also going straight in no-till so and i mean you're not just broadcast seeding you got a better chance of getting something to grow so do you do you pull like a ph test too before you plant everything and make sure all your ph is is good or do you just let it roll. I, I have done that in the past. Um, this year I didn't do it just because it's just one of the things I just didn't have a lot of time for this year, but I have done it in the past, um, stuff like that. But yeah, kind of like back to the no-till thing, like he was saying, there is an advantage because I do have a, a farmer that actually really helps me out with stuff. And he, really helped me out this year with things actually he's the one that put in my corn because i don't have a, a corn planter stuff like that so i pay him and he comes out and does everything the planting stuff like that so that's really handy so like next year if i do put in beans or something like that we'll just spray the whole field off and he's going to no-till everything no till seeded in so yeah that'll be really nice well and it'll help you know going back to ben's uh, ph balancing too that will help with the, the soil quality as well by leaving those root systems yeah. in there and letting it hold hold the um the, the nutrients over the winter months so Oh yeah, yep, you can't. Exactly. No-till is definitely where it's at. I think you see a lot of farmers just going that in general, or in our area. Oh, you know, yeah. we have a lot of ag land up here in Central Ohio, and um, just about every the lease property that I have, um, they did beans and corn this year. It's kind of like a twenty-acre plot of both, and they no-tilled the entire thing this year again. So yeah. you definitely see people doing it. It saves fuel, you know, and it saves yep. time and time in the field, and you know, makes it just as good a product. So. Yeah, yeah, it seems like um, most of the farmers around here are going to no-till, yeah. even for alfalfa, to yeah. be honest. They're starting to no-till alfalfa, too. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's it's becoming really, really big around here, too. Well, I want to kind of shift it up a little bit. I know I, you were talking about some of the, you know, the companies that you're with and, and working for Peterson's and, and hitting the, the, the Bowhunting Magazine and just being in the industry and kind of what I wanted to say is, I, I mean, use air quotes again, but kind of like a, as an ambassador for women, and we had kind of talked about this beforehand too. Um, what do you think our, our sport or our hobby needs in order to uh, empower more women to kind of be in the industry or, or kind of be active in this, you know, picking up that stick and that string and stick and, and going out there and hunting themselves? So I feel like, um, women are really getting a lot more involved in hunting and stuff. I feel like it almost there's just as many women half the time as there is men and stuff getting involved in, which is really awesome. I feel like a lot of women can maybe get kind of intimidated or overwhelmed trying to get started, especially if they want to get started with it, but they don't have any family or friends that's really involved into it. I think um, kind of, kind of gives women a hard time in getting started with it so it's kind of one of them things where you just gotta you know get involved with 
um, you know, different things, whether it's the hunting group or the NWTF or, you know, going, going to banquets or listen, I'm listening to podcasts and talking with people and just kind of making, making friends and, you know, kind of teaching yourself things, asking, asking questions, looking on YouTube, things like that to kind of just get started or, you know, just make a visit to a bow shop, even if you're wanting to get involved in it. And, you know, a person working in a bow shop can, you know, kind of teach you how to shoot, help you set things up. I did that at Cabela's several years back. We kind of had like a women's day and women came into Cabela's that's never shot archery before that wanted to learn. And we got them started on how to shoot, you know, how to put on the release, you know, how to use your peep how to set things up and you know just anything like that can really um allow a, a you know a female to really get started and with pitch and with picking up the the stick and string and, oh, and sure. learning so there's just all sorts of just resources out there nowadays between magazines and instagram and podcasts and things like that it's just you know if you really want to get involved in it you just got to mm-hmm. just dive head first and just start start learning um, there's just so many resources and so many women that's willing, that's willing to help other women get yeah. involved in it too. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, we, like I said, we were kind of talking a little bit about our, the event that we have every year to kind of help. And it's solely for women. Um, and I think some people occasionally bring their spouse, but mainly just for women. And, um, you know, I wanted to kind of get your, your opinion. I, I feel like you had, I, I kind of had an idea of what you were going to say. We live in a very, um, media rich environment right now in terms of podcasting and yep. videos. And you know, that the Jeff Sturgis video that's good for, for us, us three is, is just as good for anyone else. And, you know, it, but I think getting over that intimidation factor is, is huge. You know, I, I, I know several women that, you know, they may not be strong enough to pull a bow back. Well, there's there's always a shotgun or there's always a rifle, depending yep. on where you live, or, or a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or we can yep. go with a crossbow. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Yep. Um, but yeah, trying to get in over that intimidation factor. And I feel like that's where companies like DSG and, and others, you know, Eva Shockey and, and, and the Elite Bow that's geared towards women and just all that stuff. I think the more that we can get them in, I think. You know, as a husband, as a spouse, I, you know, I would love for my wife to be involved with that because it's something that we can do together. And I feel like a a lot of men probably feel the same way too. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of the things that, you know, a lot of women don't think that they're strong enough or, I mean, I'll admit I weigh 107 pounds, so I am very, very small and I have, you know, worked really hard to be able to get myself where I am with all the the physical stuff that I do. I mean, I do everything by myself. Everything that I do, I'm doing on my own. I've self-taught myself pretty much everything that I know. I mean, my dad got me started and everything, but then once I started in archery, I just started learning everything myself, you know, all the tricks of the trade and how to do this and how to do that and you know, I lift weights, I do all kinds of stuff and able in order to just, you know, keep myself up where I need to be in order to draw a bow back. And like I said, I'm super tiny and I'm pulling 52 pounds, which may seem not seem like much and it might not be, but I mean, women, women don't have to have a 60 or 70 pound bow in order to harvest an animal. I mean, I get passed through shooting 52 pounds. I mean, no problem at all. So it's kind of like, it doesn't matter if you're small or, you know, how big you are, you can always work towards improving, um, in order to be able to draw a bow back or, you know, do anything like that. So I, I kind of, I kind of strive, you know, do, do all the things that people, 
tell you that you can't do or you're too weak to do. And I, I take that and I, I run with it and I love proving people wrong. So that's one of my favorite things to do and I've <laughs> yeah. done it year after year and I'm going to keep doing it. You tell me I can't do it and I will show you I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to tell you, you can't saddle hunt. That way you saddle hunt more. But no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got this. I, I can saddle hunt. <laughs> She's got the deer to prove it, people. So definitely listen to her advice. She's definitely, yeah. that's awesome. I'm glad you said that. So uh, that's about all I had. And if you had anything else, man, Emily, I, I really appreciate your time. Before we get off here, um, let's go ahead and, and shout out your Instagrams and your Facebooks and, and Petersons and anywhere people can find you, your, your real estate, all that stuff. Go ahead and give the audience uh, kind of where they can find you on social media. Yep. So my Instagram uh, user is Shad Emily. That's S C H A A D Emily. So you can find me there, and that's where I post most of my stuff. I don't post as much on Facebook, um, but my Facebook, you can just find me underneath Emily Shad Conkler there. Um, I'm real estate agent underneath Realtree Properties. If you look up Realtree Properties Ohio, um, you'll you'll find my bio or anything that I have up for sale there. Um, but yeah, you can see me with stuff through Onyx and uh, Peterson Bow Hunting Magazine and anywhere around there. So awesome, awesome. Well, yep. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm super glad that we were able to connect. I said as soon as I kind of saw that you were a, a real one, if you will, in terms of what, what you know and and doing that hard work and not just having things given to you. I knew for a fact that I wanted definitely definitely have a conversation with you, and I'm really glad that you were able to take the time this this evening and and chat with us. I know we had a great time. So. Again, thank yeah, you. I and uh, we definitely appreciate you having me on. <laughs> yeah, we, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks, Emily. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's all we have for you today. We really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily. It was great to get to learn how she got into the industry and hear the story of getting the job done on that insane buck, Freak. And we definitely look forward to talking to her again after the season. As always, we appreciate you listening. Please give us a rating and share this episode with a friend. And until next time, enjoy the pursuit.